Welcome to On Texas Football, uh, rapid reactions version. Texas Longhorns defeating uh, the Kansas State Wildcats 34-27 to in Manhattan, Kansas last night. Uh, Justin Wells, uh, you and I have been talking about this uh, ever since uh, uh, we've been talking about these games every single week. Uh, I've got the flu, but I'm going to try to make it through here today, uh, see if we can't get it uh, talked about. Uh, what were your initial thoughts on the win yesterday for the Longhorns? <clears throat> I, you know, the initial thought is you get the big win on the road. It, it felt like Steve Sarkeesian, since he's been in Austin almost two years, it was getting that big win on the road that they needed. Uh, not just a road win, but against a number 13 team in the country who was coming in with supreme amount of confidence, coming off a, a major thrashing of Oklahoma State the week before. Felt like they were kind of clicking, Kansas State was. And, and so, that's why I was a little surprised by Texas, how they came out in the first half, which we shouldn't be. We've seen that before. But the fact that they came out and, and really like gangbusters up 21 at halftime, being a Texas fan covering the Longhorns, we knew there was going to be some yin to the yang. We knew K-State was going to play better in the second half. <laughs> that was probably obvious. And we knew how we know how Texas played in the second half. But to, to, to get over that hump, I think, was huge. And a lot of the players talked about it after the, the, the game, Bobby. They basically said, look, the last few huddles, we all started looking at each other and said, look, if we're going to do this, we got to do it now. Jalen Ford looked at Keandre Coburn in the defense, that final uh, defensive stop, and said, it's our time. Like, we do this now or we don't. And to me, that was huge. Not only from a player ownership standpoint, not only for getting over the hump, beating a really good team on the road, but keeping with Oklahoma State losing, Texas now controls its own destiny. That's how big this win was, Bobby. They they, they win the next three games, potentially. They're going to play in the Big 12 championship. Yeah, one game at a time. One game at a time. Um, yeah. I want to say this. We, we need a shout-out to our sponsor, Bertolotis Rodman. Uh, at Bertolotis Rodman the Law Firm, it's all about the relationships, the full-service full firm specializes in business and real estate law, satisfying the needs of a startup to complex negotiations of big companies to every contract needed in between. Bertolotis Rodman develops lasting, meaningful relationships that put their clients first. Justin, you know what my piece on this was? I felt like Quinn Ewers looked so much more confident in the first half than he, than even he did after he got popped in the set, in the first half against Oklahoma State. He stepped on that very first ball, a very first completed pass to Jatavian Sanders, um, where he stepped up in the pocket, completed the third and seven for a first down. I thought he looked like he was in complete control uh, of that first half. And Sark not only used that to his advantage in, in key um, instances, but he really rode uh, his key player in B. John Robinson. Robinson ended up with I think 30 carries, which is the most for his career, 200 plus yards, plus two catches in the passing game for another 30. The offense scoring 31 points in the first half against a Kansas State defense that hasn't been lit up like that necessarily, other than, I guess, against uh, against uh, TCU earlier this year. You know, it's funny, Bobby, in the roundtable, we talked about it, um, and we talked about it last week. I, I, I thought this, I, I thought Quinn Ewers. You know, he gave you your freshman stinker. Every freshman gives you those bad games. It, it just happens. That's part of the maturation of the, of the position, I feel like. And I, I kind of had this confidence that Quinn would get back. That's just kind of how he is. You know, in the quarterback world, this kid 
really shakes off the bad stuff. And when he does really well, he takes it in stride pretty calmly. And so he's got that, that, that really good level balance. I think that the team really resonates with. I think they really feed off of that. And, and for Quinn, the, the best thing Sark could have done was get the underneath stuff going. Don't try to go deep. You feed, the, you feed the backs, both playing in the NFL next Sunday, and then you do the underneath stuff. And the biggest thing for me, especially, I believe it was all in the first half, the, fir- the four catches Jatavian Sanders had all converted first downs. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I looked at what Jatavian Sanders did, and he, he continues to be a uh, a focal point of this offense. When when he gets going, the offense seems to get going, uh, which is an interesting idea, right? Because, like you said, four uh, four first downs. It's not so much the outside receivers that helped yesterday, even though uh, Jordan Whittington and Xavier Worthy Worthy act absolutely put on a clinic, another clinic of a route uh, for a touchdown. Uh, but I. I go back to the offensive performance in the first half and, and pretty much overall, and I'll never forget Kelvin Banks' pancake block on that long. <laughs> was that a pancake? Or, that was the very definition of a 320-pound dude absolutely road-grading somebody downfield. Plowing. I mean, That's called Kelvin Banks plowing the field. <laughs> and then you had Hayden Connor in his 4'7". Running stride for stride with Bijan. <laughs> they, they, it was pretty. It was pretty good sight. Um, that that being said, the, I thought the defense actually stepped up uh, last night, and that was probably the key to the game in many instances or in many ways. Uh, not only did they uh, cause the fumble to end the game, uh, Keandre Coburn got a great rush and caused a fumble for Adrian Martinez that Jalen Ford fell on, uh, but they were all over the field for pretty much all of the game, they caused multiple fumbles. That's what, yeah, Bob. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just one. No, so no they it just was one when they needed was, it. Yeah. No, against, against Iowa State, you can say they got lucky a little bit because they caused one fumble and recovered that fumble in a key point. But they routinely got Iowa State, uh, or Kansas State, uh, fumbling the ball uh, and just came up with the right one at the right time there, uh, I felt like. Um, your, your thoughts on... You know, you mentioned the Keandre Coburn, Jalen Ford stuff. Uh, my my take on it is is that it, it's really almost like a Jekyll and Hyde sometimes with the Texas defense. Either they're going to be stingy, or they just are the damn breaks a little bit. You know what I mean? They had a, a four play seventy yard drive Kansas State did where Texas clearly couldn't cover the middle of the field for some reason, uh, but then they also uh, buckle down in the red zone and, and make Kansas State kick uh, field goals two separate times that ended up possibly being really a, a big big uh, end up uh, of how the game uh, finished. I felt like the game would have been a blowout if Texas falls on one more of those fumbles. They forced, I want to say, four fumbles in this game. And, and the worst one 
was when Tavondre Sweat and, man, it was somebody else with him. Baron Sorrell. Baron Sorrell. I mean, it reminded me of Winnie the Pooh when he was running for that honey pot. I mean, he's doing whatever he can in his life to get that honey. And those two guys tried so hard and wound up pushing the ball out. And you kind of felt for a second, man, that feels like Texas defense in 2022. Forcing fumbles and when they needed when they couldn't get it. And on the other end, I give Kansas State credit because – they would have been blown out if they didn't force a handful of fumbles on the Texas side. Think about how many giveaways Texas had on drives, on, on good, solid drives where they were moving the ball. Texas could have been in the 50s in this game had some of those things not have you know, you know taken place. And so defensively, you're right. It, it is a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde. But you have to feel better about a very dinged-up secondary rallying together moving some guys around. John A. Barron got hurt early, so they had to bring in Michael Taff and, and get a little creative. Hey, they um, brought in Maurice Blackwell Listen, as a, big, as a big nickel. Maurice Blackwell, for him coming in there and not playing that position a lot, and, yeah, there were a few plays where he was, he was lost. Hey, he was found a few drives later. This guy, the one thing Maurice Blackwell did in high school, he was like a missile. He found the football, and he shedded blocks – you know, you know, like a snakeskin. He knew exactly how to get to the ball and, and, and create things. And I think that's what the defense did. They needed kind of a spark. And Maurice Blackwell kind of gave it to him. I was a little disappointed in DeMarvion Overshone. I know he played better in the second half. First half, I felt like he was kind of going through the motions. Blackwell was the one that kind of came up and made the few plays. The defensive line was the one that was creating pressures. And so from the defensive standpoint, uh, you know, they played against Adrian Martinez which to me was a tougher task. Will Howard comes out there and throws the ball better. This may be a better, a different game, Bobby, but that's what Chris Kleiman went with. He went with his, with, with the veteran and, and, and the guy that I think get, gave Texas the most mismatch uh, potential, but the defense, they stepped up. They, they made the plays when they, need, they needed to. They looked so good in the first half, Bobby. They looked so good. Second half, like you said, they, they lost the middle of the field a little bit. I felt like they adjusted. Here's the huge, here's the biggest play. Jaron Thompson didn't have to play 100 plays. John A. Barron didn't have to play 100 plays. And I'm going to stomp that sandbox into the ground. You cannot have kids playing 100 plays a game and think they're going to be successful. And I think that was the biggest key of all. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that off the offense in the second half. And, and I want to ask you about that, Justin, because I, I think that that, that is really, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's important uh, because I feel like uh, I felt like the offense actually moved the ball some in the second half, um, but didn't put the points on the board. One of the drives was uh, stopped by a Xavier worthy fumble after a first down. Yeah. Uh, right. They were driving, gave the ball back in, in uh, Texas territory uh, pretty early. Uh, then they had the, the, then they had a three out three and out, but then they had the long field goal drive which ate up four and a half minutes of clock, uh, only to have uh, one more uh, three and out uh, to end the game. Although I think that that was – I, I don't, don't want to say it's purposeful, but Steve Sarkeesian had decided he was going to run the ball three times. Yes. Uh, because he wanted clock to run because Adrian Martinez, while he is a, a capable passer, is not the, – the Kansas State offense is not made to be a two-minute drill, Right. Correct. And that would that would lean into to the Texas the strength of the Texas defense uh, theoretically, and they really got after the passer. To your point, 
But but your take on the second half of the Texas offense at this point? I, I feel like we're we're it's it's we're reading the same chapter week after week. We we get to a port, certain part of the book, and it's that chapter. We come up to it, and seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games. I, I don't know, Bobby. Is it the, the team's making adjustments because it's generally coming out of the second half? And last week, I mean, last night was the first time this season Texas hadn't scored in the third quarter. And so I, I don't know if it's the defense making some early adjustments and Texas trying to figure their way out, taking a few series to learn that. I don't know if it was Kansas State who has a good defense and a really solid offensive uh, defensive line. I, if, I don't know if it was more of them uh, just getting some pressure getting, and be able to, to plug more gaps and, and kind of get in front of Bijan like we've seen in second half of the offense, you know, moving forward. But – you know, like I said, they still move the ball. The biggest thing for me was Quinn Ewers' turnovers. Zero. He didn't throw a pick. He didn't turn the ball over. He was a game manager. And that's the Quinn Ewers coming to becoming a complete quarterback. We know the arm. We know the talent, the accuracy, the athleticism, the, the savvy, the acumen. We know all that. But now we're seeing him understand I don't have to chunk it down the field all the time. I can go underneath. I can find little things. I just have to hold on to the ball. And I felt Texas did that it, it, the best way he could. Granted, there were, you know, case they did force some other fumbles, but the offense just seems to hit a wall a little bit in the second half. I feel like they just have to find some adjustments. I will say this in the past, when we've seen them do this, they've been reluctant to rely on the run. Like against Oklahoma State, they did try. And especially in that fourth quarter, to, to get Bijan on that inside zone, to, to get Rashawn open a little bit. And it just seemed to not work, and they would get away from it. They didn't do that on Saturday. They said, oh, you know, only, only two or three yards on first and second down. Bijan, try again. Only, you know, only three or four yards on second down. Rashawn, try again. They stayed with it. And if you read the humidor on Friday, the team portion, you knew that was part of the plan. No matter what, they were going to stick with those backs because they knew if they did, at some point, it was going to pay off. They were going to break a run. They were going to get loose. And after 209 yards on the ground, career high 30 carries, Bijan Robinson and Rashawn, those guys put the, themselves on their shoulders. And if you ask Bijan at the end of the game, what was the key? You know what he said? The defensive stops in the second half because that's Bijan. That's who he is. But I felt like they stuck with it. Instead of it, you know, instead of the, you know, not working and getting away, they, they weren't reluctant. They stayed with it. And to me, that gave the offense some confidence. They but, gave that offensive line a little bit of confidence. And you know what it took the pressure off of? Quinn Ewers. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this. So I think that you and I come out on this the same because we've talked about it quite a bit. I feel like there's different ways to, to lose control of the game on offense. One is you're just completely overwhelmed. I felt quit. I felt like the Texas offense against Oklahoma State was completely overwhelmed in the second half. Against Kansas State, Texas never felt completely overwhelmed. They just shot themselves in the foot, whether it was pre-snap penalties that put them behind the chain so they couldn't rely on the run or the fumble from Worthy. It was more self-inflicted 
against uh, uh, against uh, Kansas State as opposed to what happened against Oklahoma State, where they just felt overwhelmed and didn't have the the answer to the you know to the scantrons. You know what I mean? They <laughs> yeah, really yeah. didn't have the answer. Whereas Kansas State, they did, but they stepped on their own toes. A little bit, a little bit. I, I think there's 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 some of that because. This defense is is geared. It's almost a bit. It's all. It's obviously a bend don't break. But I think we're seeing more instances where this front four is so strong, and they were getting a rush a little bit in that second half with a four man with a four man front. The more they do that, I think that they 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 just do so much. It gives so much more to the defense. I was talking about the offense though. The offense sputtering. In in other words, um, and I hope I didn't misspeak there, but. Uh, I felt like the offense sputtering in the second half against Oklahoma State, they just felt overwhelmed by it. Whereas the offense sputtering in the second half against Kansas State felt more self-inflicted. The one against Oklahoma State, I felt like it was all mental. Because once Quinn couldn't get those those open guys, the ball, whether it be the win, whether it be the pressure from the, the rush, any, you know, any of those things, it felt like it snowballed. It felt like each time it was getting a little worse. Whereas with Kansas State, they were it was more simplified, in my opinion, Bobby. It, it really, they didn't do a whole lot different except for more underneath stuff. How many verts did they run with, with Xavier Worthy yesterday? I, I bet I bet it's under ten. And what were the what were the attempts of twenty five or more yards? What four or five total? It, again, it's not so much sputtering. I think it is is it, it, you get stuck in neutral. You've been going all gas, no brakes. At some point, the car needs some gas. You run out. So it starts to sputter a little bit. I think it takes Sark a couple minutes to, to bring in, uh, you know, Conoco, Texco, whatever you got to do, fill them up. And then they get back onto it. It's hard to explain, Bobby, because I think it's just the minutiae of the game. I think it's just the, the way things are kind of going. And I'll say this, Kansas State looks shook in the second half. And that was something Oklahoma State didn't look like. Oklahoma State looked like a team that had beaten Texas before. Kansas State looked like a team that hadn't beaten Texas since 2016. Which is true, right? Um, all right, so let's let's take this a different tack now. Let's let's take the Kansas State win and put it into bigger perspective or a, a larger context. Uh, Justin, where do you, Texas now sits at six and three, bowl eligible, which you know. That's an improvement. Take it. Yeah, exactly. Take it. Put it in the bank. Go see if you have any more checks to cash. Right. Um, <laughs> because we didn't know that was going to be the case. Uh, now you want to play a bowl out of the state of Texas. Yes. But my, so my point is this. Um, put that into context. You mentioned the possibility of a Big 12 run. But, you know, that's still far-fetched, in my opinion. For going 3-0, and far-fetched may not be the right word. A long shot. Um, because they are playing not only is uh, not only is TCU nine and0 this season, but Baylor's won their last three conference games. Uh, Kansas is now bowl eligible. Those are their final three games. Um, you know, wh what are you thinking from a big picture perspective? Uh, it's just announced also that game college game day has come to town this weekend, ESPNs. Um, so what are your thoughts on what Texas must do now uh, or what, where Texas is as a program uh, going forward? Like I said, when we started the show, they control their own destiny now. 
if they can win out, they're, they're going to be in Arlington for the Big 12 championship. That's a tall task because they're playing the toughest part of their schedule the last part of the season. At the beginning of the year, all of us together on the Inside Texas staff had to predict the most important game on the schedule that year. And usually that's it's a, it's a, a default because OU just presents a lot of options, a lot of opportunities. OU's tough usually. But I, when, and when we answered that, Baylor was my answer. Because I felt like if they put themselves in position, that last game of the regular season was going to be huge. Because one, it's Baylor, a team that's been a thorn in their side for the last decade since Art Bryles showed up. It's a home game, which is absolutely huge because we've seen the difference in how Texas plays at home versus on the road. And so the big picture, you know, TCU is going to come in undefeated. Bijan said it. He, there's nothing more he wants to do than play an undefeated team. And so they're going to come in with, with all the confidence, all the momentum. Sonny Dykes is doing an unbelievable job uh, in, in Fort Worth, and you have to give him credit. But here's the thing. I know that TCU game is going to be tough. I know it is. It's going to be a fun one. I can't wait to, to build it up and talk about it this week, see it next Saturday. I, I mean, that's, that's, what we, that's why we do this. Kansas going to Lawrence? Is not a walk. That's a football team, Bobby, that plays really – you want to talk about a team that plays with confidence. The Kansas Jayhawks right now is a team – like, I get it. Oklahoma State's probably broken. But they are playing competitive football very, very well. And so I have a feeling you they may overlook that in a sense. And so – and then, like I said, the last one's Baylor at home, and I feel like that's the most important game of the season. But from a bigger picture, Yeah. It's the it's the hardest part of the schedule, and if Texas is if they're if they're if they're up to the medal, then that's going to be how they define this 2022 season. That's how Sark's second year is going to be defined. How he finishes this final three weeks. We have got one final question here before uh, uh, we, we call it a, a, a thing. But I, before I do that, I want to thank our sponsor that's been with us for every rapid reaction this year, and that's uh, Tim Rodman and his group over at Bertolatis Robin, the law firm. At Bertolatis Rodman, it's about the relationships. The full-service firm uh, specializes in business and real estate law. Uh, They can satisfy the needs of a startup to complex negotiations of a large company to every contract needed in between. Bertolatis Rodman develops lasting, meaningful relationships that puts their clients first. Um, Justin, my my last question is this. Um, What does Texas need to do uh, to beat TCU? What what is the one thing they have to do? Uh, and I'm going to give you mine first, so you you can. They have to corral Max Duggan as a runner, uh, and they have to limit the running game of the Horn Frogs. If they can do that, which is totally possible, and make Max Duggan solely beat them through the air, I think Texas has a shot. I want to agree with you. I really do. And I think it all predicates off Max Duggan. I think he's the he's the key component there. They're, they're, they've got a strong little stable of running backs. None of them are, I think, outstanding, but they're all pretty good. Kendra Miller is the one that people need to pay attention to just because he came from a town of a population of 790 in Mount Enterprise, Texas. That kid is a bowling ball, okay? So they can, they, they can run the ball effectively. They're receivers, they may have the best receivers in the Big 12. Quentin Johnson is going to be a first-round draft pick in, next April. Uh, Davis has 
Denario Davis has unbelievable speed and get up. Savion Williams is an absolute freak who makes plays when they need it. And so you if you force Duggan to throw the ball, that still doesn't make me feel a whole lot better. I'd feel a lot better getting Duggan and those guys in third and longs where he may have to improv. He may have to improvise because we know he can scramble. We know he can move around, and we know what pressure that puts on this Texas defense. A dual-threat guy definitely has been a thorn in the side. And so, whoo, it's going to be a tough task. They're playing with a lot of confidence, Bobby. I'll say this about TCU. I felt like the last three wins, the last three weeks they've had, they've skated by. I feel like they've played nothing but backup quarterbacks up to this point. I'm not sure how many starting quarterbacks they've actually faced in 2022. And this will all be brought to their attention, you know, in video sessions tomorrow and and tomorrow when they're doing install in Fort Worth. But that's just, just, I don't know, Bobby, because the the offense is the one that they're pretty balanced. They've got a pretty good thing going there. I I think you have to give a lot of credit to, to, to those guys uh, particularly Garrett Riley, offensive coordinator, uh, they, they they really come up with some good stuff. The biggest key for me, I think, is going to be the D- Texas defensive line against TCU's O-line. It's not a bad O-line, but it's a group I think you can push around. It's a group I think you can you, – your athleticism, because they got some size, I think your athleticism helps and gives Texas an, a mismatch in that regard. But, Bobby, this, this game is going to be tough uh, either way. I, I kind of agree with you in one sense. With, just, if, you get, if you can control Duggan – that to me is the big, the big key. It, it, it's making sure you keep him kind of reined in, and I don't even know if Texas can do that completely. But all they have to do it is by enough, by more than one point. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think that I think that's the piece uh, that that's got to happen. Uh, interestingly, I, look, Texas fans should be really, really happy with the win yesterday in, in Lawrence, thirty-four twenty-seven. Manhattan too. Yeah, 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 no doubt. In I said, I said Lawrence in Manhattan. I'm sorry. Um, Got to be happy with it because, frankly, uh, it's been a long time coming. Uh, will it be the win that changes the trajectory of the program? We'll see. Um, because I definitely think it puts them in a bowl game, gives them another month of practice, uh, gives them something to talk about. Um, and now we'll see what they make of it against TCU, against uh, Kansas, and against Baylor. Uh, they they close this out. You know, I, I feel like I feel like we can say effectively it's now been a better season than it was a year ago. Now the only question is going to be the degree to which how much better, better. yeah, uh, uh, how much better it is. Uh, right. So, anyways, all right, Justin Wells, thank you again, dude, uh, for coming on. Uh, I appreciate Jerry Hamilton also for stepping in for me uh, last night on the post game show. I'm gonna try to make it through this week. Uh, hopefully, uh, the Tamiflu works. Get healthy, brother. We need we need we need a healthy Bobby Burton. Listen, I don't like Texas chances against TCU without a healthy Bobby Burton. I just well, don't. I, I think the Aggies and Connor Wegman would say that they don't like their chances against the Gators. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the Aggies like their chances against a bowl. <laughs> All right, dude. All right. For Justin Wells of InsideTexas.com, I'm Bobby Burton, and that's been this week's rapid reaction. Thanks.